state has the highest enrollment of any county in Florida. They're coming down and counting down. A record number of votes already in and under scrutiny. I was asked uh, if there could be an inspection of, an additional inspection of signatures. Uh, and I said, of course. Broward County, the latest to set up a police review board. You're not creating a review board, you're creating a lynch mob. The mayor who wants to go to Congress. Look, I, I vote on an issue. In an increasingly contentious race. A big week in politics, and we've got it all covered on This Week in South Florida. Good morning, so glad you could join us. I'm Michael Putney. I'm Glenna Milberg. We begin with a South Florida race for Congress getting national attention. Miami-Dade's term-limited Mayor Carlos Jimenez is trying to unseat Democratic Congresswoman Debbie Mukarcel-Powell to represent the 26th Congressional District from Kendall to Key West. She declined our request to debate this morning. But Mayor Carlos Jimenez did agree to the debate, and as you can see, he is joining us now via Skype from Coconut Grove. Mr. Mayor, good morning. Good, morning. good to see you. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We, we are doing very well, the rain notwithstanding. Mm -hmm. uh, Mayor Jimenez, let's begin with sort of a story, a new story du jour. Miami Herald is reporting that you interviewed with the Miami-Dade Election Department to prevent the uh, AAA, the American Airlines Arena, being used as a voting site, uh, ostensibly, your opponent says, to suppress the black vote and those who believe in the NBA uh, push campaign for equality, racial uh, justice. Um, what is the story there? Did you, in fact, uh, nix that because you thought uh, more Democrats were going to vote at the AAA? No. I mean, look, we have a, an early voting site. It's three blocks away. It's called the Frost uh, Museum of Science. It is directly connected to the Metro Mover. It is something that we had already told them that we were going to do that. And frankly, if there were concerns about it becoming political, I think that yesterday's uh, narrative from my opponent just proved our point, that it is becoming way too political. Uh, an early voting site shouldn't be political. Uh, and so the the idea that somehow we're suppressing the vote is ridiculous. We've had record number of early voters going to uh, to the polls. Yeah, so well, we, we excuse me. Just let me follow up if I can. But mm -hmm. you know that site at the Frost Museum was like 1,200 square feet. At the AAA, it's thousands of square feet. There's no guarantee they would have had any kind of a banner out front, as indeed they did the other day, saying. Black Lives Matter. So there does seem to be a political component. No, well, look, listen, um, I, we already answered the question. I mean, we already had that site picked out. It's uh, more convenient to the people of Brickell and everywhere because it's got a, a, a Metro Mover station right there. The, the American Airlines, Airlines Arena does not. We have not had any issues at all at Frost with any space requirements. Uh, and so, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's about all I can say right now. And like I said, we, it was my administration that increased the number of early voting sites to 33 for a presidential election. When I became the mayor, I think we had about 20. So we've increased it by over 50%. So the idea of voter suppression is ridiculous. Uh, uh, maybe, you know, what we should be asking is some more important questions like, Will Debbie Mercosol Powell actually pack the court? She refuses to answer the question. She does a little thing. Well, we'll see what the, the Senate does, and then, well, you know, maybe we will, maybe we won't, which in my mind 
says that she is going to pack the court, which is in, in, its, in itself insane, because eventually we'll end up with 100 Supreme Court justices as can, parties can I, can I just know, take over. Can I rewind here a little bit? We're going to get to a lot of issues, but okay. right now I just kind of want to go way back to the beginning in January, which is B.C., before COVID and the before times, which is when you... <laughs> announced your intention to run for Congress. And I want to put up the tweet that you used to make that announcement on January something something, the 23rd. It says, welcome to Miami. The president was here, real Donald Trump. Thank you for all you've done for our economy and to fight socialism. I look forward to standing with you against the radical left who are determined to turn the U.S. into Venezuela. You announced your running. Uh, we've known you a long time. We've known you as a Miami firefighter and the city manager yep. and a commissioner mm -hmm. for the county and the mayor for the county. And you've never mentioned anything about this country or this town being radical or socialist. What happened? Well, I, what happened, I think, is that I'm running, I'm running against a far left radical person. Well, that's, is, uh, talk about is, your I, own. I, I I, I'd rather if you talk about your own perspective is there a fear that you have or a concern that you have that the United States, that Miami-Dade County, Miami, South Florida, might be socialist or radical? And how, I think, how did yeah, you I think come that there to is, hear there that? Is, yeah, I think that there is, there is a, there is a my, my opponent is a far left leftist, okay? She, she is part of the progressive wing of the, it's a progressive caucus of the Democrat Party. There's only one senator that's actually part of that caucus. That's Mayor, Bernie she's, she's already been a congresswoman me, for I mean, two I mean, years. I mean, Please, speak I, I, to I, your I, own. You asked me a question, I'm, I'm really trying to answer, okay? And so, you know, there's only one senator that's part of that caucus. That's that's Bernie Sanders, a self-proclaimed socialist. She wants to be part of the squad, which is AOC, another self-proclaimed socialist. A lot of the ideas that she has and that the extreme uh, left of the Democrat Party, I'm not talking about the, the entire Democrat Party, I'm talking about the extreme left of the Democrat Party have, yeah, they're, they want to move us into some kind of a socialist, uh, and a semi-socialist state. They, they've self-proclaimed, you know, democratic socialists. So can so, you, I, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really trying to get to how you d detail for us, how you think that might happen. What, what are the components that you fear? Well, the components that I fear is things like the the destruction of our of our institutions. You know, uh, defunding the police, um, Antifa, uh, the the uh, the kowtowing to to uh, to dictators, to to not know, to not even um, uh, knowing or or acknowledging that socialism is a problem in Venezuela. Uh, my my opponent. Voted against an amendment that's that said that socialism was the root cause of the issues in Venezuela. Look, we just had a debate uh, down in Key West with my opponent. My opponent said that Donald Trump was the cause of the misery of the people of Cuba. Uh, no, the cause of the misery of the people of Cuba is communism and socialism in the Castro regime. I should know. I left it 60 years ago. Yeah. Donald Trump wasn't there 60 years ago, and so that's that's the kind of view that they have of the world. Look, the the they're trying to to. Uh, you know, she she's in favor of of uh, Medicare for all, government-run run health care. They want to they want to destroy and take our health care away. 200 million people have privately run health care, have uh, health care that's provided by by the employer. She Mayor wants Jimenez, to let me let me uh, excuse me, let me jump in. She is yeah. not here to explain her position. As I understand it, she believes in a public option to go along with Obamacare, but that. Let me let me let's no, bring no, this. Sir. No, sir. No, 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 no. Because she said it publicly two years ago that she wanted to get to 
a single-payer system. Not only did she say it then, she said it twice. And if you want me, I'll send you the video when she was interviewed on it. I, I can, she wants to get thank, to Medicare. Thank you. I can, I can find the video myself. Okay. But let's get to the real issue here, which okay. is health care, which is so critically important to so many people. About 100,000 people in the 26th Congressional District are enrolled in Obamacare. The other right. night at the debate, President Trump said it's a disaster. It's awful. We're going to come up with something better. We have yet to see his plan. Do you support President Trump in this? Do you know no, one? No, I don't. I said, I said that I, I am not opposed to Obamacare. We need to make it better. Uh, a lot of the promises of Obamacare were never kept. I've knocked on doors to people that are middle-income, low-income folks that can't afford Obamacare. They said it was going to be cheaper. They said it was going to keep your own doctor. So those those promises were never kept. I'm there to fix it. I want to make it better. Well, how would you fix it? Give us a few examples. How would you? Well, fix you need it? to have competition. You also need to, to make sure that that uh, all the pricing uh, that that insurance companies are are paying uh, hospitals are are you know open and, and above board. You need to lower the costs of pre prescription uh, medicine. You have to have more competition uh, in the marketplace. You know, in a lot of states, there's only one 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 insurance company. There were one you know mar market. For, for Obamacare. So you have to get to go get there and start to fix all the issues that Obamacare has. And so I'm not against it. I think, you look, there are a lot of people in my district that utilize it. Yeah. Uh, but again, the vast majority of the people in my district have private health care through their employer. The best way to, help to, to get the best health care possible is to have more employment. We have get better jobs. That's the way that we need to improve our, our health care system. Plus, the ones that, that need Obamacare, we need to improve that. And again, you do that by improving the economy. So you have more, more resources in order to make, make that system better. So right now, the administration is in court. Florida State is actually a, a supporter of the lawsuit trying to overturn the Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. um, you, I think I have read that you publicly have expressed support for that lawsuit. Is that correct? No, what I express is the support of anybody challenging any law in court. That is our basic right. So if it goes to the Supreme Court, if it turns out that it's constitutional, we need to fix it. We need to fix it, we need to make it better. If it turns out if it's unconstitutional, whose fault is that? It's the people who passed the law to begin with, because okay, if it's so unconstitutional, it means that somehow it's violating our individual rights. Point made. I'm point, not point a, an made. attorney. Point I, don't made. Have, I don't know if it's constitutional or not. I certainly am not going to be against a, a uh, anybody going to court and challenging any law. That's our constitutional right. Understood. So I'm, I'm in favor of the, uh, you want to challenge, challenge made. I just Before we go, go to break, I just, I just want to ask as a follow-up, should this be declared unconstitutional in this court case? What do you tell the 100,000 people in mm -hmm. this district who are now on it? What do you say to those constituents? The first thing I say is go back to 2010 and maybe the folks that passed it should have read the law before they passed it if it was unconstitutional. It should have never passed an unconstitutional law. Whose fault was that? It's not the Republicans for saying, hey, it may be unconstitutional or whoever is challenging it. Then what do I say to them? I'm going to fix it and I'm going to work across the aisle to fix it. My opponent is the mo one of the most partisan members of Congress. She's number 26, most partisan member of Congress. She votes 100% down the party line. I'm not like that. You know me. You know that I've been able to work in a bipartisan manner 
here in Miami-Dade County for as long as I've been a public official, as a fire chief, as a city manager, as a county commissioner, and finally as mayor. As a matter, matter of fact, the majority of my commission happens to be Democrats, and we get along just fine. You need somebody. We need to, we need to stop bickering, and we need to start working together. I have demonstrated that I can do that. I also have demonstrated that I'm a middle-of-the-road person. You know, I'm not going to vote party line. I'm going to vote for what I think is right All for right. the people Let's, of this community. That's a and good point. United Excuse me, that's a good point in which to take a short break. We'll be back with uh, Mayor Carlos Jimenez. More in just a minute. We are back with candidate for Congress, Carlos Jimenez, CD26 from Kendall to the Keys. Uh, a termed out mayor from Miami-Dade County, and I know, Mayor, that's where your focus has been since March or April. Um, haven't been really on the campaign trail as much as managing this whole COVID response, and you've gotten a lot of support from people. You've also gotten a lot of opposition about mm -hmm. how you've handled the COVID crisis, mm -hmm. and I wonder if you could address some of those criticisms, which are... Some people thought you were way too slow to shut down Miami-Dade County. Some people thought you were way too slow to open Miami-Dade County. Uh, <laughs> lack of contact tracing and the sort. Respond to, you know, it's not hindsight yet because we're still in the thick of it, but, but would you have done anything differently from what you know now? Probably not because there's no, no book that's been written uh, on it and we don't even know, you know, that the, uh, the, the final chapter on the things that we did, things that we didn't do. Uh, what finally, you know, will, will worked and, and et cetera. And so we followed the advice of our medical advisors from the get-go, from the start. Uh, this is not something that I just, you know, dreamed up in my head. Uh, we had a fine set of, and we still have a fine set of medical advisors that we, we meet with on at least a weekly basis to talk about the measures and what we should be doing or looking at the numbers and all that. You know, a lot of the things like contact tracing, that's not even the purview of Miami-Dade County. That's the state of Florida. We helped the state of Florida by actually contracting more contact tracers for them. Uh, and so a lot of misinformation was given about what the things that we did and what are our responsibility, our duty. And we actually did a lot to help the state uh, to comply with some of the things that they had to do. So I just, I just so, want to be clear, because the were there lessons learned? Is there anything that you would go back now that you've learned to do differently? Again, I, I, I'm not sure that, you know, that we, we are we, we, we're doing the same things. We are closing and we, we think that these are the activities that cause, you know, greater contagion. And uh, and we try to, you know, tamp that down. That's why we still have a, a curfew in place, because we want to curtail some social activities, young, the, the young people's social activities, because we feel that that's the, where it all begins. And that's where it all began in uh, in July. Uh, and so, again, at the end of the day, really, it's up to us uh, to change our, our behavior. I mean, we can put all these rules in place that we want to, but if the people don't take it seriously, if the people don't wear their masks and have social distancing and wash their hands and, uh, and take care of themselves, it's going to be really, really tough. And then some people, once we started to open up, even though we had a whole myriad of, of rules of how to do it and do it safely, a lot of those rules were violated. And, and then that contagion went up. We also had uh, these demonstrations, a lot of people packed together, uh, you know, and the yelling and right next to each other. And we also, those were young people too. I think that had a factor too. And so uh, I think we've handled, we've done very well here. If you look at New York, compare us to New York, we're much better than the city of New York. They, I think they have had 25,000 
people have died from COVID-19. The state of New York is like over 30,000, uh, smaller state than Florida, and more than double the number of deaths. And so, well, uh, that's, that's for, kind of a strange comparison. Apples to oranges, literally. Yeah. But, yeah. No, it's not really. No, but no. When you look at when you look at no, not really. When you look at at urban areas and all that, even when you look at the number that we have, you know, we're we're way lower than they had. And so. We, uh, we did some things that they didn't do. We did some things quicker than they didn't do, uh, but also kept that message, hey, we have to be safe. We have to wear our mask. And so in that sense, you know, I think that we, we did a very good job. Look, yeah. I, uh, some Mary people are going to criticize me no matter what I do. But most people, I believe, when I'm, uh, when I'm in, you know, shopping at, at, at uh, Publix and all that, they come up to me and say, thank you for keeping us safe. And that's what my, I, have, I have done my entire career. Yeah. I've kept the people of Miami-Dade County safe. Uh, to the best of my Mayor, ability. Mayor Jimenez, let's talk a little about climate change, the environment, sea level rise. You were very critical a minute ago of Congresswoman Mukherjee Powell. In mm. fact, uh, one of the things that she did recently was co-sponsor uh, a, a bill with uh, Representative Brian Mast, Republican from up the coast. Right. And in fact, uh, Representative Diaz-Balart, Representative Hastings, Frankel, Deutsch, uh, Wasserman Schultz, uh, uh, Wilson, all the members of Congress in South Florida, when it comes to the Everglades, uh, are of one mind. They vote together on this. Would you be part of that coalition? Oh, absolutely. Look, I've been one of the guys that has been protecting the Everglades. I have, uh, my administration has protected the urban development boundary. I've gotten awards for, develop, for protecting the urban development boundary. I want to make sure that Everglades restoration is fully funded. We need to restore those, uh, the flows down into the the South Everglades and into Florida Bay, uh, which will help uh, the seagrasses there, and then eventually also help the coral reefs of uh, of, uh, of the of, of Monroe County. And so, you know, I have a very good environmental record. But I'll tell you what: you need a strong economy to have a good environmental record, because if you don't have a strong economy, you can't do the things you need to do in order to protect the environment. And that's where she and I again are gonna are, are gonna are, wait, know, split wait up. Wait a minute. Okay. Are you saying that Representative Mooker Sal Powell? isn't in favor of a strong economy? Of course not. Look, look, if she's in favor of the Green New Deal, if she's in favor of destroying the oil and gas industry here in the United States, that will destroy our economy. It'll put us at, uh, at the mercy of Venezuela, Russia, and the Middle East for oil and, and gas. And, uh, and that, to me, is absolutely ludicrous and crazy. Everything that we buy, everything that we do here depends on oil and gas. You know, all of the goods, all of the food is transported, you know, with oil and gas. Most of the electricity is generated with oil and gas. If we do what they want to do, okay, we will end up with tripling electricity prices and doubling gas prices. And who does that hurt? It hurts the poor and the middle class. So the, and the yes, energy fight, the Mayor, the energy fight is, is front and center this week because of some lines in the debate. Just real, really quickly, because we don't have just but a couple of seconds left. Um, okay. In Congress, you would, you've, you're against the tax on carbon emissions, which is kind of a way to bring it to the market, to let the market decide whether to go cleaner. but. But about the Paris Climate Accord, the, the global climate accord in Congress, would you be in favor of rejoining that or not rejoining that? I would be in favor of joining an accord that actually has goals that other countries will also uh, have to adhere to, China and India, which are by far the biggest polluters in the world. And uh, look, I went to China a couple of years ago. I couldn't see the sun for two weeks. Why? 
because they burn coal like crazy and and the air you can't breathe it and so if you want to get into a, a climate accord you got to treat everybody the same and you got you can't allow china and india and other developing countries to do what they do and then hamper our ability to do what we do. Mayor if we Carlos, are going to cripple our economy, we, we yeah. can't get to a, a clean, green space by crippling our economy. Our economy is, uh, you know, it, 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 the only way to protect our environment is with a, a strong economy. And the plan that uh, Debbie Mercosol Powell has and some of her more extreme Green New Deal, uh, you know, partners in Congress will destroy our economy and hurt all right. The well, poor, we we we, we hear you. We get your point. We're very glad that you're here. We regret that Representative Mukherjee Powell chose not to, but thank you for your time. And we will Thanks be following so you this last week of the uh, campaign. Thank you so much. Right. I appreciate it. Take and thank care. you for giving me the opportunity to come on. Come, come on. No, we're grateful for your time for sure. Thanks. All right, up next, a member of the canvassing board in Broward County. Hundreds of ballots are coming in mismarked. Hear what happens next. Each county in Florida has a canvassing board. It is composed of three members, usually two county court judges and a county commissioner. This week, Broward's canvassing board found hundreds of mismarked ballots the board is compelled to reject. And with the history of Florida counts and recounts, they take on a critical importance. And uh, Broward Commissioner Michael Udine is one of the three board members on the canvassing board in that county. And he is with us right there from Parkland. Hi, Commish. Commissioner. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing very well. We're so glad to see you. So uh, according to the website uh, of the Broward County Voters uh, Elections Department, 352,000 votes by mail have been received. How many of those did you all examine? How many have you rejected? Um, there has probably been a, a few, th uh, few thousand that have come to the canvassing board for review. Each review is during an open and public session where there are uh, members from the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the Trump campaign, the uh, Biden campaign. Each meeting is Zoom, so there's uh, a full participation from the public. Uh, you know, most of the times when you see a ballot, if it's uh, if filled out improperly, we make a decision between the canvassing board, which is made up of myself, Judge Ken Gottlieb, and the supervisor of elections. We, we vote on the particular ballot, uh, and we try to do whatever we can to make sure that the voter's intent is carried out on the ballot. Uh, you know, some will put in a check mark instead of circling in the box. And we try to make sure that we give due deference to the voter's intent on all these ballots. So I want, to, I want to show while you're speaking, you have some photos on your Twitter feed that we stole and put them up right here. Um, exactly what you're looking at on very strange kind of voter uh, filling out of ballots right here. Someone put bubbled something in, but put kind of some lines on there. Do we have the other picture too? There's another picture. Okay, look at this picture. People just put marks all over the place. If, if we're you, you know, we're, we bring out that big magnifying glass. Do you have one of those magnifying glasses? And we say, what the heck? What do you do with a ballot like this? So I believe those two were both counted as overvotes. So neither of those votes in the particular races would have counted as a valid 
uh, vote for a particular candidate. Um, each one of those ballots gets put up on a screen. It's in an overhead. That's where the pictures came from. The public, again, gets to see it. We do these meetings live and in person and on the Zoom call. And each ballot is carefully gone through. Most of them aren't like that. Most of them are different levels of voter intent. I mean, those seem pretty clear on what you can do with those. But the goal of the canvassing board is to make sure that there is a full, fair, accurate count that brings integrity, the Broward portion of the counting of the election and the ballots. Yeah. Uh, Commissioner Udine, uh, how is a rejected ballot cured or corrected? There is a way to do it. Take us through that. There are about 350 ballots um, up to today where there are issues with the signatures on the ballots. Either the signature was left off, um, there was a signature that doesn't match or some other reason. 350 out of 350,000 is a pretty low number. But what they do is the supervisor of election staff actually reaches out to those 350 voters. They're provided with a cure affidavit. They can submit their driver's license, a signature, and, and fill out an affidavit. And those ballots are also brought before the canvassing board to determine if it's a validly cast ballot. We had 23 of them at the last meeting on Friday. I'm assuming we'll have some more of those Monday as the cure ballots come in so that people can fix signature issues on these mail-in ballots. Again, the goal is to count any validly cast ballot and the goal is a full, fair, and complete election count, which is uh, completely accepted by the public with full integrity. You know, there's this three-member canvassing board in every county. In Broward County, it's uh, you, the supervisor of elections, and a judge. Correct. And there are two Democrats, and Pete Antonacci, technically the supervisor of elections, he is by party a Republican. How, what do you say to voters watching this when you three get together to make a decision? How do you keep partisan politics out of it, especially when there's a two-to-one imbalance? I haven't seen any partisan politics on any of the intent ballots. Of the ballots that we've reviewed, and again, they're all showed to the public, they're all put on an overhead projector, I think of the few thousand votes that we've made as a canvassing board on a particular ballot question, I think there's only been two or three during this whole time that we've been meeting that it's been anything but a unanimous vote. Most of these are relatively obvious and they and they get unanimous votes. From what I see, the, uh, the gentlemen that I'm working with on the canvassing board are, again, they're of the same mindset that I am. Integrity in the vote count, bringing the vote home properly, and making sure that the public has the absolute confidence in the, Brow in the Broward County results. Boy, that is uh, the goal, and we know you are working toward it. Commissioner Michael Udine, member of the canvassing board in Broward. Michael, always great to speak with you. Thanks very much. Great to see you guys. Happy Sunday. Thanks. Same Thank to you. you. Up next, Broward County, also the latest to make a police review panel. And we are going to get into that with Mayor Dale Holness next. By a unanimous vote this week, the Broward County Commission created a police review board, but its purpose is not to look into specific cases of alleged police misconduct. It's a 24-member panel, and it will look at patterns and practices at the Broward Sheriff's Office. Mayor Dale Holness drafted the idea in the wake of George Floyd's death and the social justice protests that followed, and the mayor is right here with us today to talk about it. Good morning, Mayor. 
Good afternoon, I should say. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, welcome. We, we are glad to see you. So you were inspired to do this by this terrible, tragic murder of George Floyd. What is the goal here, and will this panel be able to carry it out? So, for one, it's, it's not just merely George Floyd. That was really the stimulus that uh, called to action many of us. Uh, but there's a pattern over a long period of time. And if we look at some data, in Broad County, 65% of the arrests for juveniles are black kids. As a black man, I'm twice as likely to be stopped for not wearing a seatbelt as a white person. 50% of the people in the prisons in Florida are black, yet black only make up 17% of the population. So there's a, there's a big pattern there. Uh, the Tampa Bay Tribune did uh, some study that showed that 20 uh, uh, for, for the same crime, a black person get 20% longer sentence if they go before a white judge. So the objective of this is to identify uh, systemic issues related to police and criminal justice. And, and it will look at every, every bit of it. And it's not just limited to the Broward Sheriff's Office, by the way. It's all over Broward County, every aspect of criminal justice and policing over Broward County. That's a, a, good a good clarification. Thank you for that. And, and in fact, Sheriff Gregory Tony has uh, not only supported it, but endorses this panel. So, Mayor, I just I want to really delve down into the purpose of this, because I think there's been so much talk and controversy over recently Miami-Dade had instituted and had eventually voted upon this police, kind of a police review panel. This is not that. This does not sound like it will take a community-wide look at a specific allegation of misconduct. So what, what are the, what should so the will, public will, expect it, out of this? Right. So basically based on state law, because we don't have a direct control over police department, we can't look specifically at a situation while it's ongoing. We can have a review of it after the incident has uh, been resolved or, or, and see what the outcome was. Uh, and, and what discre discrepancies there might be. But we don't have a police force as Miami-Dade County control its own sheriff's department or sheriffs elected independently. So it's a little bit different here in Broad County. Uh, what we are gonna do is, is look at what is happening with policing and with the criminal justice system. So yes, we'll review case, cases that have already been resolved uh, and, and see what, what went wrong or what went right and then bring policies forward to the county and to police departments across the county to see how they fix the system. For example, okay. there's a eight can't wait. We should look at that. We should look at uh, the president task force on uh, policing across the country that we can uh, take uh, some of the good things that, that can be brought from that into our police departments here in Broward County yeah. to resolve some of these issues. All right, uh, you know, Mayor Holness, uh, with all deference to you and your, you know, your goal here, it sounds more symbolic than substantive. If what, you, if what this body is going to do is make recommendations, recommendations, you know, to change policies uh, in police departments, but they are under under no obligation to follow the recommendations, what what is the value of this panel? It's to educate, inform the public, and we see when the public is educated and informed, actions taken because they go to the polls and vote as they're doing now, and they put different people in offices. Uh, that will then look at changing the system. That's how we'll do this. We'll have a, a transparency dashboard that will be up every six months. Uh, they'll review everything that happens and let the public be informed as to what is actually going on. So yes, we can't. this won't be able to discipline a police officer, but it will look, 
shine a light on what's going on so that the public can be informed and then take actions from that. I want to just go back to, you know, to, to play off with what Michael had talked about. Voters, people, constituents, people who are aggrieved want to see results. They call us for results. They want to see results. And it doesn't it, explain how when you find something wrong, who fixes it and who makes sure it's fixed? Well, well basically, m many police forces are controlled by their cities. So the city would need to put policies in place. And, and the city manager, who is appointed by the city commission, uh, determines who that police chief is, they can remove that police chief. They can put policies in place uh, that will change the way the system is. At the county, it's a sheriff who's elected by the people. And if he's not doing what's right in his department and that light is shining it, that transparency is there, the people will vote that person out. Transparency is always a good thing. Mayor, thanks so much. Uh, appreciate your explanations. And we'll be watching this. This is going to be really interesting. Thanks for being with thanks, us. Thanks, Mr. Mayor. We appreciate it. All right, up next, we're going to, you're welcome. Up next, we're going to take this week's hot topics, and oh, there were so many, to our <laughs> virtual roundtable. All right, time now for our virtual roundtable, a closer look at the week's top political stories, and oh my goodness, there were so many of them. Really? There were this week? Let's see, the president in Florida, the former president in Miami, so much. So we're going to talk about all of that with our guests. Joining us from Tallahassee today, Steve Shale, a Democratic campaign expert who helped Barack Obama win Florida in 2012. He's also the CEO of Unite Our Future PAC. And with us from Cape Coral, attorney and Republican Party activist and Miami woman, Marilee Cancio. <laughs> you may have seen her in recent TV ads for Donald Trump. Hi, everybody. Great hey, to have you. Welcome. Hey. We're glad you're here. Steve Shale, great you. to have you. Great to have you on the program. Let me begin with a question for you. I have been following the postings from Hawkfish. You are associated, of course, with that. That is a tech site that looks at uh, and analyzes voting so far. And bottom line, at this moment, it shows you believe that Joe Biden is ahead in Florida with the votes counted, the votes that you can sort of project by roughly about 500,000 votes. Uh, but that number is going down, is it not? Well, what's interesting, I mean, so, you know, the first thing, Michael, we're seeing people vote in ways they've never voted before. I mean, the, the, the amount of, of vote by mail, for example, Republicans voting in person early, we're seeing voting trends change before our eyes. Uh, there's no question if the election stopped right now, Joe Biden would win Florida very easily. Uh, it's interesting, there's about, about as many Republicans who haven't voted yet uh, uh, as there are Democrats leading uh, in the in-person early voting. So, I mean, what we're looking at right now is an election which looks like your classic tight Florida election. But again, among people that have voted right now, Joe Biden's doing pretty well. You know, it, that's a, a real flip-flop too. And we all watch that happen from year to year that now Republican voters are the ones not going to the mail-ins, but going to mm -hmm. the in-person voting. Mira Lee, um, you know, yesterday we watched the president come down to West Palm and, and do the in-person voting. Uh, actually, he was there four years ago when he did it in New York. So, you know, do you think that his narrative about fears about mail-in voting, is that, is that resonating among Republicans? Is that what we're seeing? Look, we're seeing a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of Republicans voting in person. And we've cut that lead with the Democrats who really took an early start and 21% in only three days. We're not even done with one week of early voting, and the Republicans are out in full force. And what we're seeing 
that we've had 1.6 million more Floridians registered to vote. And we've had Republicans really beating Democrats in voter registration, cutting the margin in only 140,000 voters between Democrats and Republicans. And we're seeing so much enthusiasm for Republicans going out to vote that really I believe the Rasmussen polls that are showing President Trump ahead and what I'm seeing with my own eyes is a lot of enthusiasm by part of the Republicans. But what about, the, what seeing, about the mail-in issue? Are Republicans listening to the president and really do they really have reservations about putting that ballot in the mail? Look, in Miami-Dade County, there's 33 places where they can go and drop in uh, their uh, mail-in ballots. And, but we're seeing people follow the president and vote in person. That's what we're seeing. And we still have a lot of people that have not voted on the Republican side including a first lady Melania Trump that says she's going to vote on election day. And the group of people that have not voted yet so far are people that tend to vote Republican, and we're going to see them in full force on election day. So if things continue the way they are, the Democrats are in trouble in the state of Florida. Uh, Steve, Shale, let's talk a little bit about Thursday night's debate. I think, you know, we all consumed it, watched it, uh, were rocked by it, <laughs> amused by it, and angered by some of what we heard. Um, I think bottom line, though, President Trump, I don't think, did not move the needle. He didn't change the minds of anybody who may remain undecided. Uh, is that an assessment you would agree with, or where do you, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, when you look at all the public polling that's out there, I mean, certainly my organization was part of some focus groups that saw it. I mean, you know, people that were with Trump at the start of the night were with Trump at the end of the night. People that were with Biden at the beginning yeah. of the night were, were, were with Biden at the end of the night. A lot of the undecided voters that I saw were people that, you know, thought that Joe Biden looked a little, a little more presidential uh, when it was all said and done. So, yeah, I mean, I think in the end, the debate was, if anything, a net positive for my guy. But, you know, even a draw at this point, I mean, it is... Uh, is good news for, for Joe Biden. I don't think Donald Trump did anything other than the fact that like he didn't act like a four-year-old. Uh, he didn't do anything to change the, the actual outcome yeah, of the debate. If, if, I can, if I can follow up, uh, Mara Lee, my friend, uh, I think one of the things that uh, President Trump has been saying for weeks, insinuating, is that Joe Biden is over the hill, that he is senile. If there's one thing he proved, I think, on Thursday night, is that he is not senile, that he's still got stamina, he can focus. Uh, and he did not look like a guy who, you know, was befuddled and lost. Well, it started that way, but after watching it, after the first 60 minutes, I think that Joe Biden started losing it. And I really think people saw that. Uh, what we're seeing is that Joe Biden lost a lot of votes in Pennsylvania, Texas, and other places regarding fracking and the energy issue. And still we don't have an answer regarding the packing of the Supreme Court, which is a huge issue. And basically what Democrats want to do is pack the Supreme Court. And that's a big issue for some voters. You know, that's I, you brought up the energy part of the debate. Steve, I, I really want you to address, there is so much talk this week uh, among Republicans really zeroing in on Vice President Biden's answer about transitioning away from oil and gas. And, you know, his, his answer was about being very positive for a future of clean energy. Um, but the, it, perhaps the way he said it really allowed his opposition to raise warning flags to anybody not only interested in or invested in energy, but wide swaths of Pennsylvania and the Northeast and in states and Texas where that is the major industry. Address that, if you would. 
Well, first thing I got to say, it's a little frustrating when the Trump administration has nothing else to run on, but they try to make up insinuations about Joe Biden's health. It's just, it's kind of, it, it just says how bad a shape they've governed the country that all they've got left is to do that. On, on the point of, on energy, I mean, I don't think what Vice President said is a position that's that's outside of the mainstream. Most Americans believe we have a climate problem in the country. Our president wants to deny it and deny the science around that and virtually everything else. Um, and, and the way that we deal with climate is to deal with with uh, greenhouse gases. And the way we do that is to move away uh, from from uh, from fossil fuels. And as we're doing here in Florida, there's an expansive uh, solar energy uh, initiative here in Florida that the utility companies are driving, Republicans and Democrats support. So I don't think that this idea that we should move away from dependence on oil is really all that unpopular or all that uh, out of the mainstream. Yeah. If we can, let's move on to the subject of health care. I think one of the key uh, topics here in, in this race uh, nationally, locally as well. Uh, President Obama, former President Obama, was in North Miami yesterday. He talked about it. Let's run a little bit of uh, what he had to say. Miami-Dade has the highest enrollment of any county in Florida. Florida has the highest enrollment of any state in America. Nobody has a bigger stake in making sure those protections stay in place than folks right here in Florida. Well, Mara Lee, let me, let me ask your reaction because I think the president, former president, you know, has really hit on a hot button issue, which is the president, President Trump, you know, has talked for almost four years about his own health care plan with pre-existing conditions covered, but we have yet to see it. Look, the best thing that President Trump has done was to eliminate the individual mandate. The mandate was a tax if he chose not to have that wonderful Obamacare insurance plan that had huge deductibles. What we've seen since President Trump eliminated that is that premiums have decreased. And giving people more choices is what decreases the premiums for health care. We've seen how drug prices have come down. So we're heading in the right direction regarding more options for health care. What the Democrats are proposing with a public option is going to eliminate over 160 million private policies, and that's what we don't want. It is so great to have Mary Lee Cancio, Steve Shale with us today on the roundtable. I just want to, if anybody can just Google everything you want to know about Florida, Steve wrote this insanely insightful blog <laughs> that, Steve, I loved it. We learned a lot from it, and I recommend it to all. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Hey, thank y'all. All right, we'll be right back. We want to thank you for being with us this hour. Remember, we are always online 24-7 at local10.com. And remember, you can vote early today through next Sunday in Miami-Dade and Broward until next Saturday in Monroe County or drop off your mail-in ballot at an early voting site. However you do it, just vote. And remember also, as always, stay informed, get involved. And have a beautiful Sunday. This is a Local 10 editorial with WPLG President Bert Medina. We're off to a great start. South Floridians are participating in our democracy, but many of you still haven't voted. We have one week left of early voting in Miami-Dade, Broward, and Monroe counties. It runs through Sunday, November 1st. Don't put it off any longer. Get out and vote now. Let's make this a record year for voter turnout. Miami-Dade has 33 early voting locations. Broward has 22 and Monroe has five. There's no excuse not to vote. And if you have a mail-in ballot, 
Fill it out. You can drop it off at any early voting locations. For more details on how and where to vote, go to local10.com. And of course, this is just the beginning of the conversation. Let's continue it on local10.com. This has been a Local 10 editorial. We encourage the presentation of contrasting points of view. 